0: No chance What's up everybody? Episode twenty five of the No Chance podcast. As always, your hosts Ryan and Nate. I'm I'm just I'm speechless because I just checked. It's Friday if you're listening to this because we only release episodes on Friday. So by that time, we'll have a total of five thousand listens. Wow! Insert applause here. Ah, that's <laughs> it's just like at least a thousand, a thousand a month, if not more than that. So. As always, thank you guys for, man, like being so fucking dedicated to listening to an episode every week. If anything, we're getting more and more people listening. So if anything, shout out to you guys. We really appreciate that shit. It's so fucking awesome. I'm like speechless. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. But for this week's episode, actually, what I did a couple days ago, today is Tuesday. I don't know the actual date. Tuesday the 6th. Um I put up a sort of like a send us your questions. Anything you have concerning streetwear, fashion, maybe anything that's on your mind, maybe you know, stuff related to your job. Whatever. We decided to answer some of those questions on today's episode because you know, a good variety of questions in the in the beginning would be kind of cool. Sort of see what's what's sort of trending um in the streets. Uh let's see. First question actually from a good friend of ours, Nick, let me bring up the question one second. Let's see here. Oh, okay. Here. The question is, can a hyped brand make anything look cool? What can't they pull off as high fashion and what is always going to be off limits? So when you're talking about a hype brand, obviously we speak about the ones that we talk about the most supreme off white, um, Yeezy. Balenciaga, Balenciaga. Vetmont. Vetmont. Uh, can they make anything look cool? What do you think?
1: Yes and no. Crocs, for instance, <laughs> was that Balenciaga? Or was that Vetmont? That I did. Think it uh, was either way, it doesn't those, matter. I don't know. I'm never gonna be rock- rocking Crocs. Crocs will never be cool to me. Good. Good. So that, there you go. That answers that question.
0: So <laughs> what? What can't they pull off? Basically anything that's already prior to it being collaborated with or yeah.
1: done on. Anything that's like too niche, anything that's too specific, like Crocs, yeah, yeah. like obviously that's Yeah, that I think only, that's a that's a good point. That appeals to like point 0.1 percent of the general population. This is this is so. true. But as a
0: counter argument to that, and something that actually did really good and sort of fits with the brand, you would never think a brand would do a collaboration with like a sex toy. Right? So when you see like Huff They did a collaboration with, and I don't know the actual brand name, but I think it was called, it's not Jenga, that's the actual block game. I think it's called Tanga or something like that. They did a collaboration with a sex toy and obviously their famous line of fuck it was on it. So it kind of makes, it's a a good play on. Um, But in my opinion, I think it really depends on its like practicality of the actual item that they are putting their logo on, right? Yeah. But then again, if if the practicality is completely left, it also does really, really well. Supreme made, made a brick really, really popular. And there, you know, goddamn well, ain't nobody making that out of anything. Unless you buy a thousand of them, you could build a, you know, a barbecue pit, whatever. But something as, like, yeah, like I said, a brick, Crocs, it really depends. I think certain brands can do it. A Supreme can literally slap their shit onto anything. Somebody's going to buy it. Um, In terms of it, you know, being widely popular and selling out, probably not. But I think and this is a good one. I don't think brands like these can put their name on like keychains and for those things to sell. Why do you say that? There's something about like minuscule items like that, a keychain, sometimes even a pin itself that don't always, that aren't always like really in for some people.
1: Yeah. I think it all kind of boils down to novelty. I there think if the novelty is there, then obviously it will sell. Um, like a brick, for instance. Like the reason why I think that sold so well is because it was just so out there. Yeah. That it was just like, wow, these guys could literally put their logo on a brick, and that's kind of cool. And and that's the reaction. That, yeah, that, exactly. That, that, that's kind of cool. That it's, resonates. It's very polarizing. It's either that's really stupid or that's so sick i need that yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) i don't know anybody that needs a brick yeah um okay
0: but the last part of this question which is is, it's kind of interesting what is always going to be off limits and is there a a, is there an item or a piece that
1: is off limits for brands that's a good question I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think think so. I don't think I can answer that. Like that's, that's a tough
0: question. Nothing comes to my mind in being like completely insensitive to everybody and everything. Yeah. So I can't, I can't really think of anything. Maybe. Mm. Okay. Okay. Here's something that came to my mind recently is, do you know the, he's like, I wouldn't call him like an artist, but he, he curates these like little models in like space invader. Do you know who that is? Mm, he like he like um creates like space invader-esque artwork and he puts them up onto like walls oh yeah yeah yeah. so he recently took a piece of artwork and put it on like a buddhist monastery
1: oh yeah with like it's like a it's like geometric like artwork Yeah, 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 yeah yeah yeah
0: so maybe in the sense of like like i just thought of like supreme putting their logo on like a golden buddha i feel like that would be kind of like somewhere where they couldn't do it but I feel yeah. like they would at the same time yeah but it really just depends i mean like, something like that something that, like that but i yeah. can't really think of it it's kind of it's kind of difficult so um i guess that sort of answered your question that was actually kind of a good one kind of stumped us but um uh, okay uh two more so this is a question i just got from a fan in england shout out to england that's super awesome uk yep uk what's up um first question what are your opinions on the Palace Spring Collection? And the second question we will follow up with any opinions on places and faces. And I think that's a good question because those two things sort of solely live in that area of of, of Europe.
1: Uh, well, I or mean, like, they're, they're, they're very they're,
0: global. Very but global, but in yeah, a sense of like... They have a heavy presence yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All
1: right, so... What are your opinions on the Palace Spring collection? Are you a fan of Palace at all? Uh some of their stuff is cool. Like when we went to the Palace store in New York, like that was super cool. Awesome presentation. They have some cool stuff there. Um for me, the Spring Summer 18 collection was kind of a miss. Yeah. Um it was kind of a bust for me. I didn't it was just super loud. I don't really like heavily branded things yeah. and it's just every single piece just like was screaming at you metaphorically, if that makes sense. (laughs) No, that's true. Yeah. I
0: think a lot of the palace sort of lineup in general is the shit that nobody buys from the Supreme lineup. Yeah. So all the stuff that's sort of still sitting, the loud colors, the loud logo blocking, whatever is the type of shit that Palace releases as, like, a seasonal collection. I mean,
1: I like the garments themselves. I just, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of, like, the huge branding. Yeah. really loud, like, branding everywhere. Yeah. Just, like, you know what I'm saying? Do you
0: think that's just preference, though? Like, because I don't think I can, at at my age now, I don't feel the need to wear, like, a huge logo
1: on me. I think it is kind of obnoxious. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even for me, like, the way I dress is pretty... Like we were saying, it's pretty low key. Like it's yeah. I don't really wear anything super loud just because I don't know. I don't feel the need to draw attention to myself yeah. or like what I'm wearing, you know? Yeah I for me at least
0: wearing a giant ass logo or a logo that's very like popular and mainstream that or maybe it's a piece that's kind of like highly coveted, it just draws too much unnecessary attention. Not that people are like coming up to you and being like, Oh my god, where'd you get that? or Oh that's so sick. It's just like There's some people that view from afar, and there's just something about that that I'm just not really feeling.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just like a lot of people associate a certain type of person- There you go. ...with like loud logos, stuff like that. Yeah. So, I don't necessarily want to be associated with that image. It's like like a look at me
0: type of thing. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, mean, that's that's the general consensus for that. All right. Second question. Any opinions on places and faces?
1: I... I, I like it. I mean, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to buy their stuff. Yeah. But I really like their narrative and their really humble beginnings. Yeah. Like, have you, like, do you know the story behind? You, you enlighten me. Like, basically, they're just, I think they're photographers. They're from the UK, I okay. believe. Um, and basically, they just had to finesse their way into, like, popularity. Like, yeah. they just had to grind it out. Yeah. And, like, you know and now they're like a global brand, just starting Definitely. out from I believe it was like two people, yeah. so that's crazy. I
0: think I, one of the things that I noticed about them and coming across them as of recently is seeing, like, like you just said, just to sort of build off of the, the photographer thing is they just put like a publication out, yeah. And I think like streetwear brands that not only find a way to showcase themselves in other ways other than just lookbooks and collections. They're willing to do that in terms of like an editorial. And I think that almost like is something that gives back to the community. Something that streetwear aficionados like us are like really into and seeing like, okay, like we get it. You can make a lookbook. You can make a collection look nice, but can you style this person, style this person? Is that sort of mentality like, you know, well-rounded in terms of what you guys do? I think that's really cool. I, I still think they have to find their... Their niche, because I there's there's too many of those brands in my opinion. Like the, um, I don't know if that it's their their full name, but the M plus RC. I don't know how you say their exact name. Yeah. But it's it's that like like super strappy like kind of I I can't even really describe it. It just reminds me of like like a a watered down Gosha. It, It just depends on on how you look at it. But those sort of brands need to really like distinguish themselves as being like their own thing but if you really think about it it almost reminds me of like the, the Japanese group of brands like the neighborhood and the and the uh, double taps and stuff like that like yeah. they sort of fit in their own little bubble the same way that they do so yeah I, I mean, mean that's kind of cool
1: more than anything I just respect their hustle you yeah, know yeah, like for they sure. I was just I was listening to like some interviews with them and they were just saying how they had to sneak into places and just build connections off yeah, of that yeah and that's how they Kind of became this global brand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's definitely so, some that's uh, characteristics definitely that
0: we can attribute or yeah. attest to as well. Um, okay, third question. Let me bring it up. Where art thou? Okay, here. This is from Julia. She asks a question about appropriation in streetwear. Um, just speaking on the in terms of you know the glamorization of high end products and you know not being totally accepted in society and sort of the problem of today is the word appropriation in general we sort of spoke about that in an earlier episode yeah right in terms of like streetwear appropriation yeah but i guess in terms of appropriating appropriating culture in streetwear mm-hmm. is there a line that that you, you know, you can't cross. Do You have to constantly pay homage to people if you do ce- something a certain way.
1: Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think there's a very fine line between appropriation and like paying tribute to something yeah, or somebody. Of course. Um, I mean, literally. Okay, I'm looking at the definition of appropriation yeah, read that, read right that. now, and it literally says the action of taking something for one's own use typically without the owner's permission. Mm. So would you say that already has like a negative connotation? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it's basically stealing. Yeah. You know, using it for your own personal use without actually giving credit to whatever it is that you're using, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a big difference between paying tribute and just outright stealing. I -hmm. think the distinction there is that when you're paying tribute to something that there's a mes- message attached to it of course whereas if you're appropriating something then it's you're just kind of doing it for your own personal benefit yeah, you're not so really doing it to, in, off yeah, of exactly it, uh, off of it so exactly I, I
0: in my opinion i think like you're you completely you know hit the nail on the head on that one um with brands nowadays i i don't think that that's too much of a problem not that i've seen of uh, in terms of like high fashion you know where they get some of their their influences from and how they wear certain things yeah. um, I know that within like a lot of collections there's like there's either a huge um, appropriation of like Japanese culture or yeah. a huge appropriation of like or, African culture what about
1: just high fashion's appropriation of like skate culture How about yeah that? like yeah what do you think about okay that? in
0: my personal opinion I think it's 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 terribly done. I yeah. mean, obviously, the the two sort of like now live in the same realm with the whole Supreme Louis Vuitton thing. But I think, in the sense of using or or a whole, even holding a skateboard down the runway by the trucks, damn near it, it's it's like <laughs> one of the most painful things to watch. But if they, if say like um, like a Kim Jones, right? He's made he made a skateboard holder for the Supreme Louis Vuitton collection. Yeah. He's done so many different things that involve skateboarding. If he was just one day in an interview, like, you know, Jake Phelps, the editor-in-chief of Thrasher magazine, is my biggest influence. I just want to be just like him. I try to skate myself. Then it's just like, okay, like, cool. Like, you're into the culture, but if it's something of just, like, banking off of what's cool and what you think your viewers are going to be into, then yeah. that's completely different. Yeah,
1: I think just the distinction in that case is taking advantage of sort of where the times are at yeah. like for instance in your example kim jones wanting to collab with supreme because skateboarding is all of a sudden like i mean it's always been popular but of it's more popular now than ever i feel yeah, like you know yeah. so i think in that case that would be appropriating it but like you said if you were to come out and say like i grew up with or not even i grew up with it's just like hey like i really enjoy like learning about skating, yeah. like watching people skate. Anything like that, that's, like then that would be completely you know, kind of fine. Like, yeah, it's exactly. just like the
0: like you said, the tribute part. The yeah. attributing that I'm doing this because of this, not just saying like I'm in skateboarding culture, but you know nothing about it, et cetera. It's, yeah. It's just being fake, essentially. Um speaking on appropriating and, and tributes, did you watch the the halftime show? Oh, Justin, uh, Justin Timberlake! Did you watch the the I, Prince tribute? I was
1: actually at work, so I actually didn't get to watch the Super Bowl. I got back for like the last five minutes of the game. Oh, and that's terrible! Like, yeah. So
0: a lot of people were speaking on this whole tribute to Prince as being bad. Like, do you think personally, being in you know Minnesota and it being Prince Nation, do you think that's a bad thing?
1: Since we're speaking on this this idea of uh, I mean I, and contributing. I didn't see it, so I can't really, you just, know, have a take on it. That's true. But I mean, I I think, uh, I don't know. I don't want to speak on it because I didn't, I didn't see it. So <laughs> I kind of saw it, and I yeah, thought it was think? very
0: well done. I think the whole, like, the homage to Prince in his hometown was amazingly done. And I think in terms of, of streetwear in general, just making sure that you're well aware of who you're appropriating, making it very verbal- That you are doing that and just paying tribute and I think that's the right way to go. It's not very hard to do It's you just say oh this person inspired me or shout out to this person. You made me look the way I am Keep moving. That's really all it is Um, Okay, so thank you guys for your questions. I think I think we should do that like every episode. Hopefully, we don't get to the point where they just send us like hundreds and hundreds of questions because we'll never get. That'd be get tight, to them. actually. That would be tight. We would have to filter out the best ones. Um, but definitely, thank you guys for for uh, sending those questions our way. Really appreciate it. Um, one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about, and this was something that we had talked about briefly like last week, not on the episode but separately, was did you see? Do you see how some of these companies? and I'm going to use Gap and Adidas as the prime example, are using, like, people in hip-hop as their, like, I wouldn't really really say spokespersons, but I'd say, like, brand ambassadors. Did you see that? Yeah, of course. I think on, um, and it was so low-key, because I I asked everybody, and they they didn't even see it, but on Adidas Originals Instagram page, they had a, a story that incorporated, like, A
1: 30-second clip of Playboy Cardi. Playboy Cardi. Cardi. I actually did see that. And I thought that was so cool. And I
0: thought, and and we had this conversation, and I've been, from the very first episode, like a huge backer in like Adidas doing their thing in terms of like having a crazy cultural influence. Yeah. Maybe not like in terms of like product innovation, but like cultural influence, they're killing it. They're considered almost cooler to to some in terms of, uh, in a comparison to Nike, but... Even with um, with Gap, they did a whole campaign with uh, SZA and, and Metro Boomin that I thought was really cool. Metro Boomin? Metro really? Boomin, yeah. He was like all dancing with his ha- arms above his head. It was really cool. Interesting. And using, and I guess the point is using these people that we consider like maybe a couple years ago, nobody knew about, right? We thought oh, yeah, they were like sure. super cool, right? It was yeah. cool to know about these people. How do you feel about these brands sort of like reworking them into their... Sort of marketing campaigns and like
1: almost banking off i mean yeah it all just boils down to where the times are at right now yeah i mean i like we like i i think i said this in previous episodes that hip-hop is now the number one consumed genre of music i think yeah. in the world so Crazy. obviously it makes sense for them to reach out to these artists and yeah have them be a part of campaigns and things like that um it just makes sense like from a business yeah. standpoint you know i think um, it's
0: dope i think they. They definitely chose the right people because nobody's mad at it. Everybody, everybody loves them. There's no negative sentiment towards. Yeah, things. I mean it's it's,
1: people, it's literally you know. the same with a brand reaching out to any you know influencer. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're part of the hip hop community or not. It's yeah. all part of the same marketing tactic. You know, yeah. it's just trying to bring in people who are part of the audience of that particular artist or whatever it may be, and trying to bring them into you know shop at your store or whatever you know okay now
0: i'm gonna build off that last piece for the main topic of our conversation but i just want to say we always sort of throw in our random thoughts and questions and ideas in the beginning of the episode because you know sometimes me and nate rarely have a chance to even talk like i'll see him like once or twice i'm a really week. bad
1: at texting and i like don't reply to anybody yeah <laughs> yeah and
0: i'm like spitting like all these ideas and nate just like daily like cool man like we got it like i'm like all right man i'll talk to you when we record so if anything at the beginning of the episode just, is our chance s- to catch up
1: i just want to save the nuggets for the podcast that's all, right. all it
0: is you're right you're right good good point but the point of this week's episode and to build on your last uh point of it being bringing this entirely new audience into a brand that um, they may be completely unfamiliar with, I mean, but who's unfamiliar with Gap at this point, right? But to say that there's some people out there that may listen to SZA or only listen to Metro, Bo- Metro Boomin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe that crowd isn't completely familiar with Gap. And now yeah. they're bringing this whole entire audience in here and you know, now they have a whole new network of people the point that I'm trying to make is one of the topics that I want to talk about in this episode is this idea of fashion and art. Um, With, you know, some of the biggest collaborations taking place, for example, some artists that we are very fond of, like Cause and um, who else, who else, let me see who else. Um, But basically like a good example would be Cause and Uniqlo providing his artwork onto clothing and the sort of transcendence of of artwork, artist collaborations in the past with, you know, Nike and footwear, I mean footwear collaborations and all that stuff. Yeah. We're starting to see a lot of fashion exhibits in museums nowadays, right? We're paying yeah. tickets to go to the museum to see these 50, 60, 100-year-old uh what what's the word? It's not Uh, Masterpieces? It's the the fashion word for for like dresses and... um, Couture? There you go. Perfect. To see this couture in museums, for example, Comme des Garcons just had an entire exhibit in the Met. Which is really cool. Showcased, you know, years of work. And the question that I wanted to bring up for this episode is, can fashion and art live together? And is it something that they sort of like... Does one get over the other, essentially, in in today's standards?
1: You know what I mean? Um, I think that, yes, they can go hand in hand. But, you know, in some instances, they are two separate things. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, art and fashion have always had some sort of relationship, have had some sort of interplay. Yeah. Particularly, like if we're talking about it in a streetwear lens, then particularly like graffiti Mm -hmm. and streetwear kind of go hand in hand if you want to talk about art and fashion. Um, Just because I feel like graffiti and street art and streetwear were all about breaking barriers, you know? Yeah. It's about, okay, we can't get into the high fashion circles. They don't want us to be a part of that. Okay, we can't be part of these. We can't be shown in museums and exhibitions because it's traditionally reserved for... Actual artists, quote yeah. unquote. Um, so it was about just doing your own thing and yeah. kind of breaking those barriers, you know.
0: Well, Kanye always makes this point of
1: when you're in a particular
0: class in, in this industry, say you're a musician yeah. or a ball player or a, an artist, you can't dabble in the other and and uh, and maintain that name of, OK, if I'm a basketball player and I start rapping, I can't become a rapper. I'm still a ball player who's trying to rap or in his case, being a rapper trying to become a designer, but you're still that rapper that design shit. So there's always that distinguish of you have to stay in your own lane, especially within, you know, high fashion and
1: the art world. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, that just just boils down to exactly what I was saying is that a lot of the times people want to box a, you know, put everything in a box, yeah. in separate boxes, you know? They yeah. want, they see, like for instance, like you talked about Kanye, they see him as a rapper mm-hmm. because that's initially what he started out as, actually a producer even. Yeah. Um. So he fills that role primarily in everybody's mind and his secondary role is that of an, a designer, you know? So they just want to put everything in, an, in, in its separate box. Yeah, and I think... Well the reason why this whole topic came to came
0: to mind is just recently, uh, Virgil obviously had this whole collaboration with Off White that we sort of talked about, but he released a a like a personal capsule for through the MOMA. Right. Yeah. So he's attaching the MOMA's name to an item of streetwear that he's trying to sell. Yeah. So it's it's that fine line of the two mixing together at this point. And I think right now they're like the whole point of off-white is that little gray space right in the middle where high fashion meets streetwear and art and stuff like that and I think it and I think it works I think yeah. it, I think it makes a lot of sense and just a couple of blurbs that I got um, from people who are considered to be artists first who started contributing their work to the likes of streetwear is for example it, there was a um, what's that series
1: called? blueprint blueprint on uh was that high through, Hypes? It's through complex complex yeah whoever it unfortunately.
0: is. unfortunately um but so cause has his own um his own segment of a blueprint on on complex and he talks about his collection with Uniqlo right yeah so you're selling these paintings some of his go for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point right yeah and to take that art and to shrink it into at shirt a mass-produced t-shirt that was only what it's it's literally on sale right now for like fifteen dollars probably even less but this originally point, yeah. right original fake his um, his clothing line he used to sell shirts for upwards towards you know a couple hundred yeah essentially but how do you feel before I get into what he said how do you feel about taking as an artist taking your work that you probably spent days on weeks on right and shrinking that down to a massively produced t-shirt and selling that for $12, 13
1: I mean. Where's the distinguish of of From the works? artist's perspective, you have to be really selfless in order to mm-hmm. do that. I think what I appreciate about that and what Cause did with Uniqlo is that, like you said, it opened a lot of doors for people who may not have been involved or interested in, yeah. you know, artwork in general, but it sort of. It sort of opened that door for them in a sense you know yeah um, so I can appreciate that but I don't know Uh, what do you what do you, what do you think about there's that? there's a lot of people ourselves included
0: that view his work from afar as being like those cause companions those paintings are fucking amazing I yeah. wish I could own that in my dreams right some of us can't even go to an actual exhibit where they're held because they're always in you know East Asia or, or germany or wherever right? Yeah. And these are places that we probably don't ever have a chance of visiting in the near future but to look at a collaboration with uniqlo we say we have a piece of that we have a we have a stake in his creation we have a piece of cause with us now yeah you know what i mean and i think one of the things that he actually said was the reason why he wanted to do the cause and the the uniqlo collaboration with himself is you know, not a lot of people can afford the artwork, can afford the, you know, the the statues, etc. Right. He yeah. wanted to give people a more accessible way of, of owning a piece of his artwork. And I think, like you said, being selfless is the biggest thing as yeah. an artist and understanding like, look, this work right here that I'm making for this T-shirt is like one of my sketches or is one of my least Progressive work, I guess if you want to say it like that and the stuff that I put hours and blood sweat and tears in That's the shit. I'm selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars.
1: Yeah, and just touching on what you said with accessibility I think that's what it kind of boils down to in terms of um, Art and fashion meeting and sort of colliding on a scale that we haven't necessarily seen I think it's because Obviously with the advents of the internet. Yeah and things like that, like art is accessible to literally, you know, to most people now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So art is almost a part of everyone's life, whether they're conscious of it or not. It's there um, and it's more accessible than ever than ever. So I think that's why we're seeing like such a huge surge in appreciation for art, yeah. especially like in the streetwear culture. You know, yeah.
0: um, I like seeing those people who are are artists that I wouldn't say that a person comes in and says, like, we need to commodify your work and turn it into to, into clothing. Yeah. And there's some people that are so into streetwear that are artists that are like, hey, I want to put my stuff on clothing. But I have a good, uh, good blurb from an interview of uh, the artist or the guy who creates most of the designs for Rare Panther. His name is Reginald Sylvester, right? He says that this idea of taking a, a painting and selling it for, you know, Thousands of dollars, and then putting that same sort of artwork onto a t shirt almost demeans the money that a person spends. So, if I spend, you know, $50,000 on your painting, and that same artwork or a, a bit of that same artwork is on a t shirt that my kid can get for $30, I don't feel like my artwork is any special anymore. So, um, he explains that there has to be a, dis- a distinct difference between what you put up on the walls and you showcase versus what you put on a t-shirt and it just depends on how you how you do that while also remaining the same artist you know what i mean or having that same emotion felt when you see that work
1: yeah i mean but at the end of the day it's always i actually said that correctly it's nice um i think it kind of comes down to it's very subjective at the end you know yeah like i could find a piece of artwork Enjoyable and interesting but to the next person it may hold literally no value to them whatsoever. This is true So if you put that artwork on the painting or on a t-shirt, you're gonna get the same reaction either a person loves it or hates it You know, so I think it just boils down to um, It being subjective. Yeah,
0: so let's talk about collaborations then because you know um, even though original fake causes original like uh, clothing company is, is now gone he still does collaborations with likes of Jordan brand and Uniqlo and potentially more in the, in the near future but let's talk about this idea of brands it's, it's it usually starts with the brands brands reaching out to artists not necessarily to have the artist's perspective into their clothing but to use their name as almost a step ladder to achieving more people. And, and
1: that comes in, in, in terms of a negative connotation, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, look at it this way what differentiates cl- uh, collaboration with an artist from collaborating with a musician, you know? Yeah. It's all, it, it literally boils down to influencer marketing. It's still yeah. the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, like with sneakers, you're bridging the gap between people who enjoy art, whether it's street art, like, whatever it may be, yeah. whatever type of art it may be. And people who love sneakers or streetwear, yeah. you know, you're bridging that gap. You're bringing two audiences together as one. So I think yeah. it just kind of comes down to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. On the other side of that though, when you, when you say like, say I'm a, I'm a brand, right? Say yeah.
0: who does a bunch of crazy collaborations? Say I'm Bape, right? Yeah. And I want to choose the biggest art, like say, say my sales are going down yeah. and I'm Bape and I'm like, God damn it. I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, this season did terribly. I need to do a collaboration, right? That usually gets people going. Yeah, I'm gonna find the hottest artists out right now, whether that's musician or painter, sculptor, person, whatever, and I'm gonna do a collaboration with them. Yeah, so I can bring that group of people into my brand and sell clothes to make more money. Mm-hmm. Do you think, in that sense, there's like a like a, a bad taste in your mouth, and in, in terms of you're not doing it for the for the sheer Morals of I want to spread this artwork to you know a, br- a bigger audience. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, more yeah. so I'm, I need to get that money I need to bank off your audience. That's so loyal to you like a lot of cause fans are
1: yeah to buy whatever it is that I put out I mean, that's just That's just business. Yeah, <laughs> it just boils down <laughs> unfortunately, to unfortunately, know?
0: but in terms of what that does for the culture though because we're in in the past year year and a half we've seen countless collaborations more yeah. so than i think we've seen in a long time within a short amount of time we, we didn't see collaborations pop up when we were like really in industry we're back in like the mid or late 2000s or not, not late 2000s early 2000s when we would see it and be like whoa like that's so crazy that's so unique like and it would never come around again but
1: now we see that shit all the time well you know? he- here's the thing just going back to your question whether or not it kind of leaves a negative taste in a person's mouth. I think it comes down to, I I don't know, I think brands underestimate how smart the consumer is these days, yeah. you know? Uh, more like, so now yeah, than ever. Yeah, obviously, if a person sees a collaboration between two brands and knows that it's just a cash grab, yeah. then obviously they're not gonna gravitate towards it for yeah. any sort of meaningful reason. They might still buy it, but it's, you know, it's not gonna hold any actual value for yeah. them, you know? So I think that kind of that's my answer to that question that you yeah. had earlier. is OK. It, yeah. No, that, I think that makes
0: a lot of sense. So let's switch gears and talk. We sort of, I sort of mentioned this I, this occurrence of Comme de Garcons doing an, an exhi- exhibit at the Met. Right. Yeah. So the Met being one of the first places to actually house, you know, a high fashion exhibit is is pretty I don't I didn't have the chance to actually go to it, but I've seen pictures and it it's looks nice. it was nice. It looks great. Cra- yeah. Did you go?
1: Yeah, I went um, last summer, like end of May, beginning of June, first week of June. How, was, did it cost money? No, the Mets free. Oh, shit. That's There's tight. a suggested donation. Uh. I mean, of course, like we donated, but um, yeah, of course you did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, technically it's free. But anyways, yeah, it was a it was a beautiful exhibit. Um, Really cool to see some really intricate designs. The designs bordered on the line I mean they were art. Like you wouldn't look at them and say, oh, those are just clothes. Like it literally was art. So I think that's where the distinction kind of lies is that I don't know, you you can tell obviously when something And one of the
0: crazy things about taking something like high fashion and turning it into art is your clothes, depending on what brand, what year, what condition have the same qualities as, you know, a, a Van Gogh or a, yeah. a Picasso, right? They have the same qualities. And we're going to go over those qualities of what that means to us in terms of, you know, these particular adjectives. But I guess from the sense of comedy Garcon having an exhibit in the Met, you're taking clothes that have been stored away in these vaults, you know, and they're now being enjoyed by everybody. I guess that's the biggest plus, right? You yeah. get to see things that... Probably you wouldn't be able to see, at all.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think people forget a lot of the times that the clothing that designers make isn't always meant to be worn by yeah. the everyday consumer. Speak on that, because you told me a little bit about. Yeah, that. so for instance, like runway pieces. Runway pieces a lot of the times aren't even meant to be available to the to the consumer. They're yeah. just there as a show, just to showcase yeah. something. You That's know, so cool. Um, so when you see people ro- walking down the runway with certain pieces on that look crazy, a lot of the times that's not even going to be in production. Mm-hmm. That's literally just the only one meant just to, you know, convey some sort of message yeah. or, you know, um, kind of give the collection some sort of feeling. So in this this like new form of or not. Yeah, I'd
0: say it's relatively new in terms of like them being like widely marketed in terms of come see this exhibit of you know, X, Y, and Z, or mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton did a whole exhibit in the in the lobby of a hotel or something that we went to, or that we, when we were in New York, remember I told you about that? Oh, an, an yeah, exhibit. yeah, I, I think it was at the New York Stock Exchange or something like that. Yeah. But it's this idea of entertainment is now for everybody in the sense of come see our clothes. And I think that's really cool. Um, but to speak on those adjectives that sort of are very synonymous with both the clothing that we wear and shit, even the paintings that we see in museums. And and we'll speak on each individual one and sort of what they mean to us. But so these qualities, and I'm gonna just name off all of them, is ownership, rarity, value, authenticity, and condition, right? And these are all qualities that you need when you're trying to sell some shit on Grailed. Or eBay, right? All these yeah. things matter in terms of, and back in the day when we used to sell shoes, right? What is the the condition of the star count on the bottom of your shoes? Is it 80%? Is it 50%? Yeah. It could be a difference of $30 if yeah. you really think about yeah. it, right? So if you have something mm-hmm. in terms of ownership, right? Say, h- how do you place ownership in terms of what something is worth or, or, or how
1: important it is? I mean, that's a good question, like, ownership in what context? Like, who owns the piece? Exactly. So, obviously, we
0: we generate a lot of influence off of celebrities and the people that we follow, right? Sometimes the the ownership of an ugly-ass piece by somebody that we revere very, very highly can turn our minds
1: oh around yeah what for is sure eating, you, you know? can associate that with anything whether it's like an old car that belonged to somebody exactly or like somebody who owned a particular like house or somebody who owned anything literally anything right. you know if right. you associate that with somebody that people hold in very high esteem then whether or not the piece actually holds any value like people are gonna gravitate towards it and let's let's for all these
0: adjectives, let's push them all towards this idea of what it's worth. Yeah. Right. So with ownership, obviously if, if Travis Scott put a hoodie that he wore in concert or a shirt that he wore at the Grammys and put it on grilled and it was a shirt that retailed at $85, it's probably now like, couple hundred, did a couple you see,
1: thousand. Did you see that listing on eBay where it was like literally a Ziploc bag and it was like air from the Kanye no West like concert way. and there's like some really <laughs> absurd price on it? No way. Were yeah. people bidding? I think so. Oh it was my hilarious. God. That sounds like something somebody yeah. would do. So I mean, say. in that sense, yeah, like ownership is o- everything. Ownership you know? is huge.
0: Um, okay, let's talk about how rare something is. So yeah. rarity. Yeah. Obviously, that plays a huge role yeah. into what something is worth, especially if it's a
1: one of one. yeah come on like instantly if if it's like a one of one piece from i don't know like the 1800s 1600s whatever it is obviously it's gonna fetch a high price point just because you can't get it anywhere else yeah that literally goes for anything like shoes one of one you're paying thousands of dollars for that yeah exactly so i mean rarity obviously that's one of the most obvious. Let's talk about something that's
0: continuing to happen more so nowadays than it wasn't before, obviously, because originally when things released, they weren't redone or reimagined. how they do things nowadays. Yeah. For example, like you can't take a Picasso and recreate the exact same thing and sell it for the exact same amount, right? One of one is one of one at this point. Yeah. But you can make duplicates. You can make something that's inspired by older works or whatever. Um, but still it doesn't have the same essence. So how do you feel about, for example, a lot of what <laughs> we'll Nike released in next the past week. week is Peace. all original colorways of Air Max's, right? Air Max, yeah. um, 93, I think. What? Which, which one came out? Air, Air Max 180. 180s. And 90- the 93s. Dusty yeah. Cactus yeah. colorway? 90, 93. Yeah. So those are like know. original colorways of the original, right? Yeah. But when you think back to the OG, right? Every mm-hmm. Air Max head wants the OG or, you know, they go by years by when they came out individually. This one sucked because it came out this year. This one sucked because it looked like this. Yeah. How do you feel about sort of re-engineered or redone silhouettes or maybe re-release of a, of a graphic t-shirt that came out? You know, some odd years ago.
1: I mean, it really depends on what it is. Yeah. I think, as far as like footwear, if we're talking about it through that perspective, um, it's cool because I mean, obviously, we weren't alive in 1987? Yeah. yeah. 87, 87 when the Air Max one came out. Was it 87 or
0: 89? I think oh, it was. Uh, we worked in Air Nike. Air we one, know I think this. it was 87, 87, Okay. Okay. I'm sticking to that.
1: <laughs> I'm sticking to that. Um. So, obviously, we're, we weren't around when that. Uh, First release so we couldn't get our hands on it. Yeah, so for a lot of people. It's their opportunity to get something that um, They may not have had the chance to get when you know Obviously because they weren't around or they didn't have the money at the time whatever it may be, you know And it definitely resonates
0: when you're a kid Especially when you're like damn. I didn't have money for that. My parents didn't have money for that I missed out on that and to have a second chance it really brings back a lot of sentimental value and I think that's I think I've only seen only positives with with redones. It, only if it's redone exactly the same way. Yeah, if or it's relatively re- if close. it's redone
1: well, then obviously yeah, it's yeah, a good thing. But because if it's, we always see terrible if it, remakes, yeah, if with, it's done terribly and pays no tribute to the actual whatever it's redoing, yeah. then. Yeah, of with different outsoles flop. or different laces yeah. like
0: it can get crazy. Yeah, um, okay Let's talk about the next one Because um, we're kind of cut on time, but let's talk about authenticity That's such an easy one because if it's fake, we ain't fucking with it.
1: Yeah, I mean like I said um, Consumers these days are smarter than ever or at least they're more aware. Yeah, you know people can see right through you know just BS. There's forums you know? for
0: legit checks on yeah. a lot of items. So I mean you can you can
1: google anything nowadays to find the real version. Yeah, I, I mean authenticity in that sense, but also authenticity in that does this mean anything? Does this hold any value mm-hmm. in terms of authenticity, you know? Yeah. So I think that yeah. that's I think that's that plays a big role I feel in how you value streetwear artwork or whatever it yeah. is, you know, like and, does, yeah. And
0: no. Yeah. It, it, to that point, to, to all of our listeners that are starting brands or have clothing brands, right. Instilling an authentic value or your brand's actual mission statement into your clothing w- through your, your logo, your, your word, whatever your, your slogans, it really plays into what is this actually worth, right? Because if I'm a brand like like thrasher right skateboarding company and i put on my t-shirt like i love scooters like obviously that's not authentic to the to the brand so nobody's gonna buy into that you know Yeah. yeah. so it really depends on what sort of meaning you put behind some of your stuff to to convey like this is us pay the money to buy this it's worth the money because this is us yeah this is us um anything else on that one no, I think we kind of hit the nail on the cool. head. Let's get on this last one because this one is always kind of shifty. And sometimes it means more to, other, more to some than others. But this idea of what is condition worth? Obviously, we want brand new with tags. We want straight out of the box, fresh. But sometimes we can't always get that. But there are people that are willing to spend thousands of dollars on something that is completely trashed or completely old and we thrifted. Yeah, we thrifted. I, I
1: mean, it's all subjective. It really depends on what the item is. Obviously, if it's something that's thrifted, it's most likely not going to be in the best condition. Yeah. But if it's like a t-shirt or sneakers then it's like, wow, this looks like it has some story. This piece of clothing looks like it has a story to tell. Yeah. So, I enjoyed in that sense. If it's trashed, yeah, then it's trashed. I mean, yeah. you know. And I
0: think there's a major a distinct difference between art And clothing in the sense of condition, because if it is something like a Picasso or a Van Gogh, you know, damn well that thing is kept in a safe that's airtight and does not experience any sort of like dust or whatever. I wish people took care of their clothes like that. I mean, the 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 Mona Lisa is like
1: behind bulletproof glass. Yeah. And the Mona Lisa is so tiny. Like I I didn't know that, actually. it's almost – it's cool to go, but it's also almost not worth it because it's, like, literally so tiny. Yeah. And you can't even get close to it. You have to stand, like, 50 feet away I guess from it, it
0: comes with the – if you go – or is it in Paris? Paris, yeah. I guess if you go to Paris, you just have – somebody's going to ask you, did Wait, you see the Mona Lisa? Is it in Paris? Yeah, it's in Paris, yeah. I think At it just Lube. comes with the territory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't go there without seeing it. Yeah. As much as – because I see pictures, it's just, like – hundred people surrounded by it and it's a small little eight and a half
1: by eleven probably even smaller than that if you really it's think like about it. Fucking Leonardo da Vinci painted it on a piece of printer paper. <laughs> I, I okay. I feel like I was duped as a kid because
0: they would only show that in books in, and on in, TV it would be like and, huge. Large ass right? version. Yeah. I'm like, damn Mona Lisa is huge. Yeah. Like that's gonna be so cool to see. But then when I first finally saw it through the internet, I'm like the fuck is that? <laughs> But I think um, we sort of touched on a little bit of everything in terms of these qualities that are very similar in between fashion, even streetwear, and, you know, traditional art, you know, things that we see in the museum in terms of what they're worth, who owned it before us, what condition is it in, how rare is it, is it real, is it fake, those things are all similar to how we, you know, go through our daily lives and how we deal with streetwear and clothing in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially because I'm trying to sell some jacket on grilled right now and I'm <laughs> literally looking over all these qualities. Put your, put your very, grilled very link important. in the, no, in no, the no, no, description no, no. of this I only have one thing podcast. for sale, but these are very, very important qualities. So if you are somebody who you know spends their whole life rese- reselling, I was going to say reselling, reselling clothes, maybe you're a brand owner trying to sell clothes. These are all important qualities to really put into... What is your shit worth? Are you pricing a t-shirt of your first collection at $200 or are you pricing it at $32? Is it worth it? You know, Cold Wall first did their first collection because uh, I think it was, he priced it at like a couple hundred for like their first t-shirt or something like that. But you know, it was worth it because you know who owned that? The fucking predecessor of Virgil Abloh, like his assistant. So he comes from a lineage of people. So, okay, I understand why it's worth that that amount of money. You know what I mean? So there's a reason why these things cost a lot of money. And there's a reason why you shouldn't price your t-shirt at $200 for your first Instagram clothing brand so on that note <laughs> that was a very long-winded en- ending i would show i like to i like but, to be right. powerful you know what i mean i like people to be like all right i'm gonna listen to the whole episode but there's no nuggets in it where are they oh they're at the end of the episode okay <laughs> i'll listen to it all the way through um but thank you guys for listening to episode 25 yes that is a quarter of a hundred and i think a hundred weeks would be Oh wow, that's 2 years. Damn, that's a long time from now. We're about we're at about 6 months right now. It yep. being episode 25. We really appreciate it. We're at about 5000 listens because you're listening to this on Friday. So I know a bunch of you guys are going to be listening throughout yep. the
1: week. Keep sending through your questions. Yeah. We'd love to answer them. Yes. We really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to type those up. Definitely, um, definitely, definitely. So, we really appreciate the engagement. So, yeah. Yes.
0: And shout out to you guys. That is episode 25 of the No Chance podcast. 5,000 listens. I know it's not much, but whatever. But uh yeah, thanks guys. We
1: Later. Know.